Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debman. I'm joining you this week from my carport, Shane in his garage, Mr. Shane Reeves. You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, I'm used to doing the podcast amid distraction. We usually do it at the shop, and there's smoking going on, and there's laughter, and there's TVs and all that. My wife is currently eating a bowl of macaronis, playing poker, playing on Facebook. Undoubtedly, she thinks I have a fiber optic cable the size of a five-gallon bucket coming out of this house. (laughs) I don't know how much bandwidth (laughs) she believes that I own or that we're paying for, but NASA couldn't stay online. And you had the audacity to blame our audio issues on me. Well, I still blame them on you for the most part, but... Fair enough. (laughs) But you're usually in charge of solving them, not creating them. Fair point. At all. But so, okay, quick health update. Give I think we can give everybody the health update since last week. Thank you for everybody that messaged me and said, <clears throat> it's funny, I start talking about my health and my throat clogs up. Uh, the message about me having COVID <laughs> and you having COVID and, you know, that we were, so um, I'm over it. I'm done. My symptoms have been gone. I never did have a fever. I never did have low blood oxygen. Uh, my 10 days actually ends today if I count it from last Monday, but I'm going to count it from Tuesday, which is tomorrow, and then I'm still not doing anything till Saturday. And also, my health, mine yeah. is over. My COVID experience has been very minimal. Yep. That's us on this side, too. My my, It hasn't really affected me that bad. Um, you know, no symptoms to speak of. If, if it weren't for knowing that I had a positive test, I would never have guessed that I had it. But um, uh, wife is still still fighting it a little bit. It's been a pretty mild case, but still enough that you notice. So we're supposed to be ending our quarantine uh, tomorrow, which would be Friday. Um, but with uh, there's still a couple of symptoms on her end that are that are hanging around. So we're going to hold it out at least a couple more days. Oh, yeah. Well, also, as this drops on Friday, Saturday is Big Boy Cigars grand opening. It'll be at six cigar reps and everything. And then just today, finish setting up for next Thursday at six. Don Gonzalez is going to be doing a hand roll event at Big Boys in Spring Hill. So just local news for everybody listening local. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's running them right close together. Just a couple couple of big events right there at the beginning. That's well, awesome. Well, Pedro's coming to bring his roller and do the Super Bowl party down at the cigar room in Madison. So he was going to be in town anyway. Gotcha. And that's how it kind of ended up him sliding in and getting a spot in his schedule for Robbie and big boys. But they had a huge friends and family night the other night. Robbie said they had about 90 people show up. And he said they've been busy all day today. I talked to him on the phone. It's it's been it's really cool watching a cigar shop open up. I almost wish that I just went ahead and took a part time job there, not for the money, but just for the experience of going through opening a cigar shop for the day that I do open one. Yeah, it would especially to see all of the you know, like you mentioned, I don't remember if it was on the air or off the air, so I'll I'll be as vague as possible. But uh, you mentioned, you know, all the people coming to the defense of the existing 
uh, cigar shop in that area when this one was announced to be opening. So I w- it would be fun to be a fly on the wall uh, to, to see, you know, what kind of reception it gets from the people that actually, you know, tiptoe through the door. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting all the way around. Um, just a great time. Great, very exciting time. I hate that I that I was still quarantined and wasn't able to go have a cigar with him on his opening day of his shop. But there's many, plenty of time left in life to do that. And I'll yeah, I do too. You said it right. We picked the worst possible inconvenient time to get COVID. Yeah, yeah, just a terrible time for it. But okay, so what are you smoking? Uh, you've already lit up without me. You have violated cigar cast etiquette, and I am officially calling you to the table for it. I was I was going to just kind of sidestep that because I'm going to light another one when I finish this one. Um, it's been one of those kind of days. Um, no, I'm smoking a charter rope because that's literally all I have. I have not been able to leave my house in a week and a half. And luckily, I bought a box of Charter Oaks two days before quarantine started. So that's what I'm working my way through. Well, I'm sure Beth or somebody at one of the shops would be happy to leave, to take your credit card and leave like a box of cigars out on one of the tables and you could come out there and get it. I live, I live 30, 25 to 30 minutes from the nearest shop. So it's not exactly convenient. And I'm not on anybody's way home. So it's it's not exactly convenient. Plus, I got plenty of Charter Oaks, and I love this cigar, so it's fine. Well, speak of the devil, I'm actually going to be smoking a Charter Oak Cabano tonight. I haven't lit it up, and I'll, it's Nicaraguan binder and filler, Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, and this is the second one of these I've had. Glenda ordered me two of these, and this will be the second one I've had. So I'm very excited. So I guess we're both smoking Charter Oak tonight. It's an all-foundation cigars podcast this week. Well, I don't want to say that because Charter Oak's literally the only thing that Foundation Cigar makes that I smoke. I, there's not really yeah, another cigar enough. Foundation makes that I, that I even um, have any desire to, to fool with. So Yeah, but they still get credit for making this cigar, so it's still a Foundation cigar. Well, yeah. You would just rather I said all Charter Oak episode? Yeah, a totally Charter Oak episode would have probably been a touch more accurate. But anyway, okay, you go into the first story and I'll light my cigar. Okay. So we mentioned briefly during the Stogie Awards this year uh, about the formation of a new cigar company called Forge Cigars. We just kind of wanted to touch on that because it, I didn't want it to get lost in the shuffle in the middle of everything we're talking about. Plus, we've got a little bit of new news from them this week. Forge Cigar Company uh, is going to be distributing El Rey Del Mundo cigars, which is an effort to bring the non-Cuban version of the El Rey Del Mundo catalog into the brick-and-mortar segment, which has not been done before. So STG is going to be distributing these through Forged, um, and so you should be seeing them in the market at the beginning of this year. So it's interesting that they make it this close to, okay, we're announcing that we now have all these brands, and then two weeks later they decide to go with the that the El Rey Mundos and all it's well, interesting it's, it's interesting I think it's almost just to keep the interest up 
maybe a little bit. It's it's interesting. I was talking with somebody um, pretty closely associated with Forge the other day, and um, you know, one of the things that I didn't realize is that they're not connected to General Cigars at all. They're actually a separate company. The only thing they have in common with General is that they're owned by STG, and I think this is a really good position for this company to be in. They have proven that they're going to come in, they're going to shake things up, and they're interested in making a mark from the get-go, and they've got a great crew, and they've got all of the resources you could ever possibly... I mean, they've got all of STG's resources available to them. Something else that's interesting is that they're not actually a cigar company in their own right like General is. They're a distribution company. So they're really not even taking an ownership stake in these companies. They're they're taking handling the distribution for them. What that means is it allows them to reach their fingers into more coffers, bring more things to market, um, and and they, it allows them to make changes really quickly too. I I think we may see if this experiment pays off, we may see more companies entering the fray with this model. Okay, so the distribution model. What do you mean? Explain distribution model to a little more thoroughly for me. Uh, all right, so we talk about this from time to time, and, and and I'm glad you asked the question because it's something that doesn't really get explained in detail very much. And to be honest, I'm not 100% clear on it, but here's how I understand it. Uh, I will use Miami Cigar as a perfect example. Miami Cigar owns Miami Cigar, the Nesta Miranda collection, etc. But they distribute La Aurora. So Miami Cigar, Nesta Miranda doesn't actually own La Aurora. They just handled the distribution. And you, formerly... Uh, Toscano as well. So the difference is in who's making the overall decision. So the, the people at um, Miami Cigar are not making blending decisions for La Aurora. They're not making uh, staffing decisions and distribution. De- or no, I'm sorry. They are making distribution decisions, but that's the only thing they're doing. Um, so it, it reduces your overhead because you're not the one paying the rollers, but it allows you the the opportunity to put strategic brands in front of strategic people. Yeah, I mean, subcontracting, basically. Um, you know, there's never been a builder that could build more than one or two houses a year that did all the work himself, that put on a tool belt right. and everything like that. So most builders are subcontractors, and that's kind of how I see this arrangement is okay, these are the people in charge of producing the cigars. These are the people in charge of distributing and selling the cigars and setting up the company. I can, I can understand that. I can get behind that. And uh, it's interesting that they're kind of using the Cuban name thing because the Cuban name thing to me, is there really enough name recognition for Cuban cigars that it's worth the hassle? Or is it just easier to pick a name? Because naming things is one of the hardest things you can do anyway. Anybody who's ever had a kid will tell you that. So, yeah, I think some of it comes from, yeah, it's an established name. At least some people are going to recognize it. So you do get some bit of it, even if it's not wide recognition. I also think, you know, there is some there is some benefit with with everything that's happening with the FDA, whether it's still happening or whatever, you know, we're, that constant limbo that we've been in. 
Just taking an established brand. Why why reinvent the wheel when the wheel may be confisc- confiscated down the line? That makes sense. And I like to understand that. And it's people far. The, the good thing about this cigar company is Forged has really hired the top guys in the business. They've really kind of put together their dream team um, to, to build a cigar company. Yeah, it's a true who's who, and uh, and they're actually not even done yet. Uh, th- there's, I think there's seven or eight industry-leading professionals that are on the team right now, and I think it's going to go up to about 11 before the end of the next couple of months or so. So, you know, they're, they really, they are backed by unlimited resources from STG. They've got decades upon decades worth of experience. Uh, I think they're going to do really well. Well, it'll be interesting to see because they've got some, they've got some stiff competition. I mean, McAuliffe has kind of changed the bar for what cigar companies are able to do. The way McAuliffe has promoted themselves and created new programs and innovative ways to get their cigars into people's hands and at the same time taking care of the brick-and-mortar stores as well as they do. Um, any, If I was starting a cigar company right now, I'd say, okay, we're going to have to really bring something to the table. This opening a, a, your, your daddy's cigar company ain't going to cut it. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah. Okay, so TAA, this from Half Wheel, TAA donates $50,000 to PCA for state lobbying. Um, Tobacconist Association of America, and uh, we talk about TAA cigars all the time. We talk about the TAA stores and how hard it is to become a TAA store and all of these features all the time. I read this article, and it's pretty pretty standard stuff. Hey, here's here's a big wad of cash so that you can, you know, work to the cigar industry's best interest. But is this PCA making a statement? Because, you know, right before the pandemic, the big Ford said, okay, we're not going to the trade show. Is this PCA making a state or TAA making a statement that they're going to fall on the side of um, PCA, or is it? Ju- do you think it's just okay? It was time to make a donation. I think it was just time to make a donation. I don't think, yeah, you know, I don't think the two organizations are necessarily competing. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think they're in cahoots either. I think it's just a, a a matter of okay, we've got a new administration. No one knows how that's going to affect the FDA. Uh, suit that suits plural that are already out there so let's just do everything we can to hedge our bets and uh, and I think that's where this is coming from let's just throw some money at the problem real quick and see if we can make some you know uh, keep our steady footing I guess so and I think that's it is they're like okay this is you know the Tobacconist Association of America wants to make the statement that they're still you know there's still work to be done and this is a pretty good right. way to do that. I mean, fifty grand, fifty grand. Now, in the the scope of Washington, how much really is fifty grand? Uh, that could be argued. But the bigger the bigger picture is that I think they're making the statement: Hey, that we're nowhere near the finish line yet. We need to keep the pressure up to get what we need done done. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's, yeah, I think it would be about like you or I donating five bucks. I don't think it makes a huge dent, but I think it does look good. Yeah, I think it's, hey, I'm by no means um, criticizing them for doing this. I think it's a great ideal. I'm I'm all about it. It's just interesting to me. I was curious if there's a, a double meaning here or if I'm just reading into it. And, you know... In all likelihood, I imagine the show gets canceled again this year. Do you think the Big Four come back next oh, year? Oh yeah. I'm not thinking so. I probably not. Uh, I, I think they kind of, I think they made their bed and now they have to sleep in it, and they haven't really had the opportunity. Whether they were making a political statement, whether they were making a value-based statement, or whether it was just all show, they didn't really get a chance for that to show this year because it was canceled for everybody. I I don't think they'll be jumping it at the front of the line once it reopens again. I think they're going to at least take a year off where everybody else shows up, if if not just stand by their convictions. What this may have shown, uh, not only the big four, but everybody else in the industry, is that we don't necessarily need the PCA. Well, and if I'm the PCA, that's my biggest nightmare. If I'm the PCA, right. I'm using these two years to address their problems seriously and say, okay, fellas, what do we need to do to make a deal here? But that's why you and I, that's why you and I don't, run the PCA because we would actually listen to people and they wouldn't have gotten into the mess they're in uh, right now anyway. Well, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So speaking of hindsight, I've, I'm about to prove Trey right on a gigantic scale. This doesn't happen very often. On an intergalactic yeah. scale. So from <laughs> NASA.gov, the NASA website... Magnetic Highway channels material out of Cigar Galaxy. Did you know there's an entire Cigar Galaxy out there? <laughs> yeah, we talked about it on the show two years ago. No, we, we haven't spoken of the Cigar Galaxy. <laughs> we, uh, We've spoken of cigar-shaped yes, we objects flying through outer space and UFOs. I, I would remember M82, Messier 82, if it was. It would not have come as such a shock to me today. You'll have to find the episode number to make me believe it. I'll look for it. So the Cigar Galaxy is about 12 million light years away. This is what's interesting to me. It was discovered by the German astronomer Johann Elert Bode in 1774. All right. How did he, dis- what? How did he discover... A galaxy 12, light, 12 million light years away in 1774? That, seem, that seems to me something's off. Well, it, it's funny, you know, because we hear about all of these galaxies that were discovered you know, in the Middle Ages and during the Renaissance and, you know, and in the 1700s and so on. And you think, you know, we've got all of these vast resources and technology now and they were able to they were basically able to to f- discover a lot of this stuff with the equivalent of two tin cans with a string compared to the telephone uh, I, I have no idea how anybody from that that era was able to discover 
some of the things they were able to discover. I find it fascinating. Well, I th- but I'm, and again, I'm not much of a space exploration guy. It just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't grab me. Well, first and foremost, I think this is an extension of the name of star scam. You know, you see it during Christmas all the time, want to offer a unique gift to somebody, name a star after them, which I think is one of the great scams of all of all history. That's got to be right up there of astronomy and, um, you know, Democrats. To be one of the greatest scams ever put together to put over on human beings. Maybe this guy just said, okay, this, this particular quadrant of space, I'm going to call the Cigar Galaxy, and then if you ever find anything in it, you have to name it that. Could it be that easy? Well, it makes me wonder if, you know, with the technology he had at the time, it was probably looking like, it probably looked like an elongated star that we have since been able to discover. You you know, I I would imagine that as resolution increases that we've learned more about it. But I I don't think it's uh, too outlandish to think that he could have discovered this with the technology of the time, but certainly wouldn't have had the understanding of what he was discovering. I just want to be there when someone finally visits these distant stars and and has to tell the inhabitants of the the solar systems around them that they live in Tiffany. Right, right. They they live in the cigar galaxy, and they live in the star named Gertrude. And also, I'm with you. I kind of, I just thought that was interesting. We don't get to do many articles from NASA, so I felt the need to do an article from NASA when it was (laughs) offered to me. (laughs) <laughs> I just can't imagine. But coming back to Earth. Okay. Are we in agreement this is the last top 25 list of 2020 we're talking about? Or is this is this where we draw the line? Is this where we say we're done? Yes. And in, in good fashion, because we're running a little long in the first half of the show, so we're not even going to dwell that much on it. So Half Wheel released their top 25 of 2020 and apparently this is just um bare nail bare knuckle boxing no holds barred here's the best 25 cigars we've we think are out there right now there's really no rules or regulations as to when it comes out what it costs or anything and i can you make i mean does it can the list be valid if there are no rules governing how the list was created I, I don't think so. I think the the hallmark of a good list or a good grouping of anything has to be some type of unifier. And like you said, this just doesn't have it. You know, it's it's a just a hodgepodge of different flavor profiles and price points and release years. It's just all over the place. Well, and so the number one cigar, according to them, was the Karloff, the Tatuaje Karloff, the monster cigar this year, which I hey, I can't argue that too much because that was a good cigar. We both had it. Now, I don't think it was, it was better than a Padron, but I do think it was better than the Mil Diaz and the um, Cinco Decadas, which are listed at number seven and eight. But do you notice in their whole 25, there's not a single Padron? I do notice that. I wonder how many... I did see that one of the few rules that they have is that it had to have been reviewed this year. Regardless of when it was released, it had to have been reviewed. So 
I wonder if they just didn't get around to reviewing any Padrones this year. So, number three is a cigar I've never heard of, but I think I've seen that band. The Aventura, the Royal Return Queen's Pearls Corona. That sounds like something that would cost you extra if you wanted to see a video of it on the internet. Yeah, that's a mouthful as well. Well, and probably for the same reason. Probably for the same reason. But that, I thought that was interesting. That was number three was a cigar that I've never heard of. And we check Half Wheel pretty well every week. And it was interesting that I've, I don't remember yeah. seeing an announcement about that cigar. Um, you know, the Charter Oak Cabano didn't make number 10. And all the cigar I'm smoking right now, which, by the way, is just excellent. Just very relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, just always... Always a good smoke just to relax. Um, and I, I think the Habano is definitely my favorite of the Charter Oaks. It is mine, too. Well, it has a little more kick than the Connecticut, a little less than the Broadleaf. I think it just really has the that perfect flow for me. So I am really like that. But let's step away for a break. When we come back... I want to talk about air purifiers. We've got an article on tips for buying cigars online. And we have the Mazda Miata of the cigar lighters in the world. So we'll be back. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week I want to talk about the Ava Maria Crusader. This is a cigar that's a good, inexpensive cigar. It is a Honduran-Nicaraguan filler with a Nicaraguan binder and an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. Uh, It's just an excellent cigar. These are pretty easy to come by on all of the online shops, and they always perform. It'll probably never be the greatest cigar you've ever smoked, but they'll always perform and always be a good cigar. Until next week, try the Ava Maria Crusader. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who goes by the nickname the monocled Sasquatch in chat rooms, Mr. Trey Dedman. <laughs> I'm I'm not hairy enough to pull that off. What what do you use as your nom de guerre when you're on chat rooms? Uh, well, I have not been on a chat room in a very long time. Uh, I do have uh, cigar smoke in my eyes is one that I use on Twitter, and uh, going all the way back to my college days and still in use. Anytime I play video games online, like Counter Strike or anything like that. Jeff Bananas. Okay. Well, it was it was funny because I was actually looking for a barrel to go around my Labrador's neck last week. and Because I'd like to have a barrel with a couple of cigars, a cutter, a lighter, and all that that I could just strap around his neck like a Looney Tunes cartoon. And um, I was looking for a right. barrel. And, of course, as those things, you end up on those weird websites. And that was a T-shirt. Somebody actually has a T-shirt called the Monocled Sasquatch. And, of course, it's a Sasquatch wearing a monocle. And I'm just thinking, how does that work? <laughs> but I thought it made a good bump joke, so I moved on. <laughs> okay. So you must answer this following question legitimately. Did you ever own or want to own a Mazda Miata? 
Yes, and you know that. <laughs> well, no, I know you like the DeLorean, and I, I did. No, I. Yeah, in college I owned a, a Miata, but before I give you material to use against me for that, um, it was a turbocharged manual Miata that I used to race. Okay, where did you race this Miata? Uh, at uh, I did autocross with it at uh, airports, oftentimes on smaller regional airports, um, that people take off and land with their personal planes. A lot of times you can go in on a Saturday and actually rent their runway and taxi area, set up cones, and, and make a little makeshift uh, circuit out there. Wow. I'm, I'm impressed. I absolutely had no idea. But the Mazda Miata kind of has a unique role in history. It's kind of when guys couldn't afford a sports car, but still wanted to have one, or, you know, we used to always say a half a convertible is better than no convertible at all. Usually the midlife crisis guy who had never really made it was your your target audience for the Mazda Miata. And all it kind of came to symbolize when you want something really nice but can't afford it. The thing I... It, it, did the thing I like about the Miata, and I realize we didn't bring this up to talk about the actual car, but the thing that I like about it is that it is as basic, and this leads into where we're headed. It is a stripped down version of a car. You know, starting in the 90s, we started adding, com- or late 80s, we started adding computers to cars and ABS and traction control and all of these things that get in the way. And the Miata always stood alone as. Four wheels, a motor, brakes, and a steering wheel. And that was all you got. And that's kind of all you get with the ST DuPont Slim 7. It's a basic bare-bones lighter. Yeah, the ST DuPont, that's why we brought it up, is they've, they've added some new colors to this Slim 7. But I've seen the Slim 7 design, and to me it always felt like the Miata. It's like, okay, I would like to have an ST DuPont but I don't really want to spend ST DuPont money. And it kind of shows I've, you know, I'm all for, I would rather carry a knockoff ST DuPont than to carry the slim seven. You know, and it's funny too, because it has an MSRP of $195. So you're really, I mean, yes, that's cheap from an ST DuPont standpoint, but that's still a bloody expensive lighter. I love this too. They're they're offering the reason this article was brought up was to talk about three new colors. One of which is matte beige. That seems like the most insulting thing you could say to another human. You would buy an ST DuPont lighter in matte beige. That's how little personality you have. <laughs> well, I just it it's always amazed me. I'm either gonna buy something worthwhile. Or I will just do without it when it comes to luxury items. You know, I've had this rule my whole life. Father taught it to me from the time I was we bought our first boat. You always pay cash for toys. Never take a loan out for a toy. If you want a camper, you better have the cash to buy a camper. If you want a boat, you better have the cash to buy a boat. So I guess that's kind of contributed to this philosophy in my life that when I'm looking at something, you know, really luxury end, I, I want to save the money to have the good one or not have it at all. I just, I hate half measures. 
See, mine, my philosophy is a little different. Uh, and it comes from another sage, you know, sort of piece of advice. But it was always spend money on things that separate you from the ground. So, you know, spend more money on your shoes. Spend more money on your mattress. Don't cheap out on the things that separate you from the ground. You know, buy that that upgraded carpet pad. It'll make a difference. Uh, and so when it comes to lighters like this, it doesn't fall into that category for me. It is utility for utility's sake alone. And so, I mean, yes, you and I both have a couple of really nice lighters, uh, although I don't think you or I have paid retail for any of them. And, and I think that's telling. But at the same time, I, I can't imagine a world in which I, I feel the need, you know, to, to buy a lighter like this. I would love to own an ST Dupont, as I've said before. I think they're beautiful and well-made. But, yeah, it's like, it's like you said, uh, is, it, is it how do you justify the cost on something that's pure luxury? Well, and you have to think, what you know, what's my net worth need to be before I'm willing to carry around a $500 lighter? Or more to the point, that I'm willing to lose a $500 lighter because ultimately that's probably what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. I've lost far more lighters than I've ever wore out. Now, thankfully, my kit that my lighter losing days have been over for quite some time. But right. prior to my kit, when I just stuck them in my pocket, I, my lighter losing days were were right out there. But it is nice. You know, I I remember the first really nice pair of sunglasses I bought. The really nice, you know, pair of Oakleys that was just a, a $200 pair of sunglasses. Um, and they were worth it. You know, I've had the same pair now for five years. Yeah. And also, it is nice, but if you're going to go for it, go all the way. Don't don't buy the cheapest ST DuPont on the market just to say you got it, because everybody will know that is the cheapest ST DuPont on the market. And also, right. and don't buy a Mazda Miata. And I'll either either have a sports car or don't. <laughs> but anyway, this really wasn't supposed to be an anti-Mazda Miata thing. But it's just funny. That's the time that I grew up. That kind of was symbolized in life. You know, and I think it's funny. It doesn't come up very often on the show, but I feel like it has more recently. You know, you and I are only ten years apart in age, but it. Because of the age that we both came, the the eras that we respectively came up in, it has drastically modified our views on certain things. And the Miata is one of them. And I just find that interesting because for me, having seen it kind of come to fruition around the times when my parents were kind of going through sort of almost midlife crisis age, but then to the point that it became an affordable tuner car around the time I was getting into that scene. So it kind of came full circle to the point that when I get, you know, another 20 years down the road, I plan on buying another one and just fixing it up to go racing on the weekends. Yeah. I think they're great cars. And, and it depends on, it's all about how you're wired. Some people are wired to jump out of airplanes. I'm never jumping out of an airplane unless it happens to be on fire and the pilot has already jumped. That's just the the really the only only airy area where I ever see myself jumping out of an airplane. But we have a friend that loves it. She lives to, to throw herself out of airplanes. And I'll, and it's just, it's a yeah. wiring thing. And I'll, so. Speaking of things with wires. Speaking of wiring. <laughs> and I'll, Rabbit Air releases the new A3 air purifier. And I'll, um, read the article. 
okay, it sounds good. You know, the one they're talking about here does a thousand square feet. Uh, the average garage is two car garage is going to be about 400 square feet. So this seems like overkill. And my question is, is there a market out there? If it costs $300 to put an air purifier in your garage that would purify the air, is there enough market out there to sell one of those? I think it depends on a number of factors. So, yes, you can get cheaper air purifiers, but air purifiers are one of those sort of areas where there's a lot of snake oil out there. You get a lot of people that try and sell the ionizers and the deionizers and the discombobulators and all that stuff. And so it's, it's hard to know what you're getting. Smokers, by and large, are dying out. Let's be honest. You know, we're talking about cigarette smokers. Very few people are, are picking them up com- compared to the people that are quitting at, at this point. And, and very, even fewer still smoke in their houses. And I think that's kind of where this thousand square foot thing comes from. You're, that, that's somebody who's trying to purify the air in their living room and adjoining couple of rooms. That's not somebody who's confined out to their garage or their Unabomber shed. I think the rabbit air suffers from two problems. Number one, it is aimed at residential cigar smokers. So you're going to pay the cigar smoker tax on that. And I think part of their cost comes from that. They know that people who smoke cigars have disposable income, tend to be on the more successful side of the scale. And so I think you, it's the same reason you pay more for a house call with a plumber in Brentwood as compared to Antioch. That was a little regional analogy for you guys. But um, the other thing I think is that the technology just costs that much. It may do. It may that may be it. And anything requires maintenance. And I'll and most you know, I guess in the more northern parts of the country where winter's a little longer. I mean, right now we're dealing with one of the two months that you really end up smoking inside. By and large, the other ten months of this year you can smoke outside. I actually had to catch myself today because I looked at my weather app this morning and before I walked the dog and it said it was 32 degrees outside and I just went, ugh, aren't we going to have some warm weather soon? And I just stopped myself and go, wait a minute, it's January. What are you thinking? Yeah, it's kind of, um, it's, it's this, you know, January and most of February is really the only time. So I don't know if they sold a air purifier that I could just hang up here on the ceiling of my garage for when I smoke in here. I don't know that I would even spend the money for it because like I said, it's two months a year. Yeah. And like you said, you know, other parts where you're confined to the garage for, for a longer period of time, I can definitely see it being worth the value. I do want to say one thing because there may be some listeners out there saying the rabbit airs don't work. And I've heard this a lot. A lot of people have only experienced a rabbit air in a cigar shop setting because who's spending $800 on, you know, to smoke in their house when they don't smoke in their house. The reason for that most of the time is because they were never meant to be in a commercial setting. So they have to deal with a lot of smoke more so than they, they were ever meant to handle. And B, very rarely do they get maintained or do they get their maintenance on schedule. So I do want to say, if you've come across a rabbit air in the wild, so to speak, um, 
and, and you're under the impression that it doesn't work, temper that with understanding that if you've come across it in a commercial setting like in a cigar shop, it may not be a fair analysis. Well, yeah, it's and it's all in, you know, what's the system like? And that's the biggest thing. When you look at anything, you've got to look at the cost to own it. I had a buddy who explained to me the cheapest thing you do of a horse is buy the horse. The expense <laughs> is the vet bills, keeping it fed, keeping having a place for it to stay at night, putting blankets on it. The, the, the cheapest part of the horse is when you get the horse. Well, it's, and you brought up boating earlier. You know, boat stands for bring on another thousand. Oh, yeah. You can spend a ton of money on boats in a hurry. And, I'll, and there's always something new coming out that you want to be in that, that you want to put on your boat. You know, I've said before, the depth finder my father has on his boat, I'm certain that they sought German U boats with less technology than he's using to try to find four ounce bluegill. <laughs> I'm sure. So it's it's really interesting when you start talking about that. But speaking to um, the home smoker, so we've all had to do it. None of us are proud of it, but we have all bought cigars online, and all the online cigar business kind of gets um, frowned upon by the serious. Do you think it's frowned upon by the serious smoker, or do you think it's just me? No, I think it is widely frowned upon, and it's one of those things that we all do it. We all, or at least we all have done it at some point. But everyone likes to act like you're not a, a real cigar smoker if if you do it. The thing is, yeah, we like having, and I think you and I have experienced this in, you know, quite an excessive m manner over the course of the last two weeks. We enjoy being able to go to a place with other cigar smokers and hang out and have good conversation. And the more you buy online, the less you're supporting those types of places, and the more likely they are to go away. Uh, that's just, that's economics 101. Now, uh, that being said, it, sometimes, you, sometimes you're smoking on the golf course and you don't want to spend retail prices. Sometimes you're, you know, going to the lake and you're going to lose more in the water trying to bring up that four ounce bluegill than you, you know. So uh, there's definitely a time and a place for it. Yeah. So this article is from MassNews.com. And the name of the article is Tips for Buying Cigars Online. Um, I'm, I'm fairly sure the person that wrote this article was kind of a casual smoker at best. That's the vibe I really get from this guy. I don't get that this was a serious cigar smoker. And uh, because his first rule is, are the cigars stored in optimal conditions? So how do you find that out? How do you, you know, when I buy cigars online, my general rule of thumb is, if I'm buying a box of cigars online, they're going to sit in my humidor for several weeks before I crack the box and really start smoking them. I'm, I'm going to give them time to get reacclimated. Yeah, and I think, you know, he mentions in the article, you know, a lot of times you can find this information under the retailer's FAQ or About Us section. But all that tells you is that they know what was supposed to be done. That doesn't tell you if they actually did it. Um, I will say, though, uh, to defend this this piece of advice, a lot of people now 
less so than it was a few months ago, but a lot of people buy and sell cigars through Facebook groups. So if you're dealing with an individual and not an online retailer, so to speak, if you're dealing kind of in the secondhand market, it's very, it's about knowing to ask the questions. Show me a picture of the humidor where these were kept, you know, that sort of thing. And I do think if you're dealing with a, a one-on-one type sell, like through a message board or something, that's definitely a question you want to make sure and ask. Yeah. Now, if you, you know, if you go through the McAuliffe program and they send you to a brick and mortar and you order your cigars from them and get them sent to you, you know, they were held correctly. Um, I trust Corona cigars. Usually if Glenda right. and I order a box of cigars online, it's something that we can't get real easily around here or that Corona just happens to be running a deal on. But Corona Cigars is a cigar shop first and an on t- online retailer second. I don't feel like Corona's cigars are are ever warehoused, for lack of a better word. Right. And all, but now, Cigars International, Cigar.com, some of the big, um, the big outlet places... Um, I don't think they sell seconds and call them first-run cigars. That's one of the myths. I think you get a lot of people, as soon as you say about ordering online, they say, oh, yeah, you're getting seconds there. Yeah, that's that's a load of hogwash, uh, it, in my opinion. I think, you know, why would they advertise the seconds on the same page where you can buy what they're not calling the seconds? What it really comes down to is that when they buy in the volume they do from these manufacturers, they're able to get discounts. So they buy it less than the than the cost price that the retailers are paying for it, which is why they can offer lower prices in addition to the fact they don't have as much overhead because they don't have to pay for all of the conveniences that you get to experience. And they're, they're doing a volume business, so they don't have to make as much money on every individual cigar because they're selling more cigars overall. Yeah, and, th- and that's, a, that's a valid thought. And, I'll, and you're right, the Facebook marketplace for cigars, um, the different sites, you can kind of be a little more particular and all than ordering from one of the really big boys. But nobody's going to say, yeah, we're storing our cigars you know, in a shoebox under the water heater in the basement. They're not right. necessarily going to tell you it. So when you order online, allot yourself a week or two at least to have them in your humidor where you can control the humidity and bring them up to the proper humidity. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest tip I give somebody who wants to buy cigars online. Um, the other time that I'll um, buy cigars online is if it's something special. You know, especially like we spoke about earlier, TAA releases. You know, my choice for a TAA cigar is either drive to Chattanooga, which is our our closest local TAA store, or to order from one of the shops that happens to be a TAA. And I think if you're ordering a TAA, they probably were stored properly because they're coming from a brick and mortar. They're not coming from the big houses. Yeah, exactly. So I I do think that you know he brings up some other some other concerns about secure websites. Are we not past the point where secure websites becomes an issue? Uh, no, we're not. In fact, it's getting worse. You know, as technology gets cheaper, 
and more readily available. The resources that hackers have to be able to break into websites and and steal uh, credit card information and other details, uh, it's it's a threat that's growing, not shrinking. Uh, and there are still websites out there that don't. I mean, there's an an entire IT division uh, of of thought that strictly focuses on security. So, uh, no, I mean, this is a this is a very con- very real concern, and it's worth looking at those websites to look for the the icons that show you that it's secure and, you know, use PayPal or Amazon pay where available. Um, because then you're, then the website's never actually getting a hold of your information anyway. And I guess the biggest rule for, for me, for buying anything online, whether it's cigars or lighters or, you know, laundry detergent, if it seems like too good of a deal to be true, it probably is. You know, if they're offering you a box of Padrones for $3 a stick, that something don't seem exactly right about that. Yeah, yeah, and and that's, you know, when it comes to online scams on any type of website, that's always a, a really good rule to follow. Now, have you ever ordered a box of cigars and they they've shown up and for whatever reason they exploded, they didn't smoke right, they didn't taste right? Have you ever had to address a concern with one of these companies? Because I haven't, but I've ordered very few boxes in my life. I I have uh, to answer the first part of your question, but I have not to answer the second part. So uh, I got a couple over the course of the last year. I have I've gotten two bundles, uh, one of which was so tight that I had to put a, a wood deck screw through it to be able to try and get any any draw from it whatsoever. And then the other would just explode the second that the flame touched the foot. In in both of those cases, I chalked it up to, you know, that's the that's the issue, that's the concern with buying online. It's kind of buyer beware. You you get what you you get what you pay for. Well, our listeners that live in more remote areas where really ordering cigars is your only option. They're not necessarily in an area where they're, where they're proliferated with brick-and-mortar stores. And uh, I'm curious, I would like to know, somebody Facebook me, facebook.com slash cigarcast. Let me know if you've ever had to address an issue and if the company addressed it well with you. And uh, I'd be interested to know what that part of the process is like because I've never got a bad box of cigars but sometimes you get a, bo- a bad box of cigars out of a brick and mortar. I th- it's a ma- it's a human made product. Yeah, it's true. And and I will say about the two bundles, it, in, it's funny. In fact, in in one of the cases, it was a ma- major market brand that I bought, but I it it was too good a deal to be true. So I think I may have actually gotten a hold of some seconds in that one. At the very least, they'd been sitting in a warehouse so long that they were unrevivable. The other one was one of the, you know, one of these online retailers, budget, market, you know, house branded $2 a stick. And at that point, it wasn't worth the money or the effort to try and get it back because I, you get what you pay for. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the rules still apply. Now, I do place a lot of faith in online reviews. 
and all, when I'm buying anything on Amazon, I never buy anything on Amazon that I don't read the reviews of people that have bought this product. And just, you know, and of course, there's always, there's going to be people that are never happy no matter what. So to fi- to say I'm only buying something with 100% positive reviews is means you're never going to buy anything. Yeah, and it's, it's especially tough with cigars, too, because everyone's palate's a little different. So what somebody may have loved, I may hate, and vice versa. Yeah, I would never, re- I would never return a box of cigars based on flavor. Because to me, that's subjective. To me, it has to be a structural failure if I'm going to be returning a box of cigars. It has to be they were too tight, they blew up when I lit them, they, you know, whatever it happened to be. Absolutely. And there's certain cigars that just the nature of the wrapper leaf is more fragile than the, than the, um, the retailer can, can, can counter. I mean, just sometimes the leaf, you know, the Real Nicaraguan, the Monte Cristo Real Nicaraguan, I love that cigar, but I know that is a delicate wrapper on that cigar. I know when I smoke that cigar that I'm taking my chances, regardless of everything being done perfect, it's still just a delicate wrapper on that particular cigar. Yeah, I think I'm at, uh, I think I'm 50-50 for getting through that cigar without the wrapper uh, cracking and crumbling in in the back third. But, you know, that doesn't. By that point, I've enjoyed so much of it that I don't really care. Yeah, that, by the point that I've smoked half of it, if I've got half of it down and it's been good and I start having some structural issues, I'm not going to complain to anybody. I'm pretty much going right. to just ride it out. But we're kind of coming up on the end of the show. and I'll, So you've rated the... So is that Charter Oak sitting in your car after a week of not being around other human beings? Is it any better or worse than usual, or is it just always consistent? It's just always consistent. Man, I, I, I cannot wait uh, to be able to get back to some sense of normalcy. I know you know everybody talks about the new normal and getting back to normal and whatever the heck that means. And, and I, I, But at the very least, to just be able to get back to a point where I can go into a cigar shop and buy something other than a Charter Oak, I will be a happy man. Well, I've enjoyed this Charter Oak Cabano that I have. I've enjoyed it tremendously. It's burned perfect. It's burned smooth. The flavor has just been rich and full and everything I hoped for. This was the perfect cigar for tonight and all. And I have, and I have to give it a six and a half because it's always that good to me. Yeah, I agree. And uh, there's, it's definitely, I declare this box-worthy for sure. It's definitely a box-worthy cigar in my life. Oh, absolutely. No, uh, 100%. Well, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us on Facebook.com slash The Cigarcast. We are on Twitter and Instagram at The Cigarcast. You can get us on email, info at thecigarcast.com. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to us this week. Hopefully next week we'll be back to our regular schedule where we can actually sit together in a cigar shop and smoke a cigar together and be talking about it. So until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. (laughs) 